0: Dave Brisky, and I'd like to welcome you to this segment and this episode of Brisky Business. The goal of the platform, as you all know, as you've been tuning in week after week, is to help you accelerate your business by offering different strategies uh, that you can consider uh, in today's times. Uh, Brisky Business is a forum where we offer tidbits and tips uh, and help share things that will help you demystify the business process and also maybe demystify the stock market. Uh, as you know, any questions you have week to week, you can go ahead and write me at briskybusiness@entvusa.com. at entvusa.com. In fact, last week's program, all we did was answer your questions, and it was really, really a nice program, and we got great feedback uh, on the last program. Uh, so we're going to do that every three or four shows. We're going to go ahead and make it all about uh, your your questions. And I think that's going to be a, a nice format every three or four shows. Uh, everyone seemed to enjoy that. And as I've always said, this is your program. So I want to make sure I'm talking about things you're interested in. The format of Brisky Business is four different segments. The first segment is Brisk's Business Basics. The second segment will be Brisk's Buy and or Bail. The third segment is Brisk's Bulls and Bears, which is all about the stock market, and the fourth segment, which you all know is my favorite, is Brisk's Best and Brightest, which is all about mentorship. In today's program, I am excited to have a very, very special guest. This man has done some amazing things. In fact, in 2002, he did a documentary uh, called The Best Companies That No One Ever Heard Of. Really, really interesting documentary about that. He's also written a book about the 150 most unique names uh, in terms of the stock market. And one thing I can say, for me he's super famous for and that is he puts on the best investment conference I have seen in the industry and I have been in public markets a long long time and I've been to a number of live events and I will tell you this gentleman who is the founder of LD Micro? Chris Lahigi has figured out how to do investment conferences right. They're a huge value, and it is my absolute pleasure to bring Chris Lahigi, founder of LD Micro, onto brisky business. Chris, welcome to the program. Hey,
1: thanks for having me. I'm honored to be here.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure to have you on the program today, Chris. Uh, You know what we do? When we get started, this is a real casual program. I like to take a deep breath. You probably know I like uh, coffee a little bit. I usually start off with a sip of coffee, and then we hit the ground running. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some water. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, let's do that. Uh, in fact, Chris, you know this. Uh, the first segment is Brisk Business Basics. And uh, you know, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's go back to maybe some of your early times. Maybe take yourself back to when you were th- thinking about LD Micro and the idea of it. And you know we talk about business basics, having that business plan, having that strategy. What was your strategy in starting LD Micro?
1: It's always, Dave, it's always easier when you have a passion in life and there's an occupation that's ultimately attached to that passion. So for me, it was always this weird fascination with publicly traded companies. It happened very early on because my dad owned shares in a few companies and I had this epiphany at a very young age that even with a little bit of money, one can be a part owner in a large enterprise or or, or corporation. So I kind of took that and devoted all all my free time to essentially learning about public companies and then ultimately becoming a, a savvier and savvier investor. But like you know, the road is is often long. There are plenty of potholes. There's there's a lot of things that, that can cause you to detour. And I have to say, from from the time that I started as a professional uh, in 2002, it's been almost 20 years, and you know my, my job title has evolved a little bit, but my goal is still the same, which is to learn and invest in, in small public companies.
0: Well, I, I really appreciate what you've done at LD Micro. It really is uh, the main event for our company every year. As you know, it's actually the only event uh, a live event that we's at, we've actually sponsored. I have to uh, imagine that um, this uh, COVID situation, where the new normal has been created, has probably impacted uh, your business as well. <laughs> Tell us uh, how you're dealing with that.
1: It, it is Basically, Dave, it's, it's, it's been cataclysmic. Um, it has impacted all live events. So regardless, I think if it's more than 10 or 15 people, you have had a negative impact with COVID. And for me, it's trying to take it day by day, trying to be proactive and trying to be optimistic. But when you have essentially 90% of your revenues that are focused on live events, you have to really figure out how to ultimately evolve. Um, For LB, it's a little bit different because, as you know firsthand, um, in 14, in 2014, we had a hundred year rainfall. So it rained four inches in one day in Los Angeles. And as you know, it never does that in Southern California. And three years later in 2017, we had a hundred year fire with the Bel Air fire that canceled day two and day three of our conference. And it took a year to recover from that. And of course, three years later, you were now in the midst of a hundred year pandemic that has basically, you know, gulped the entire world. And this one isn't um, a one-day, two-day thing or a one-hour thing. This is going to last. Um, my everything, everything that I think about is is essentially assuming that we cannot go back to physical events anytime soon. So my objective now is that essentially the only platform available is online, and I want to be the world's best at it. And I think we're going to do that. Um, uh, I think we're going to do that sooner rather than later.
0: I have uh, no doubts about that, Chris. That's one thing uh, you put on the best live event. Uh, you know, the past several programs we did a, a, a number of segments and number of programs about pivoting, uh, and you know, those uh, companies that uh, are responsive to what's in front of them and making that pivot are those that are there for the long term. Uh, you know, you said something, and I don't want to necessarily uh, put you on the spot here, but you said uh, your your revenue is 90% on live events. Uh, so I that's a pretty Pretty cataclysmic figure, so you know I'm going to assume 90% of your revenue has been wiped out. Uh, so tell me about that pivot, how urgent it is, and how uh, have you been able to keep your team together?
1: Well, it's an excellent question. Uh, we started getting worried when we found out about community spread in late February, and I'm very blessed, I'm very fortunate, Dave, that I know a lot of people in a lot of high places over the years of doing these events. And uh, we quickly figured out that this wasn't gonna be a one or two week thing, depending on what the federal response was gonna be based off what the state responses were gonna be. And this is this is still late February. Um, we quickly calculated what the cost was to, to keep a full team at LV. So we have, we have quite a few people that work on the day-to-day operations and we have about 60 part-time people for the actual events. And I made an executive decision very early and very quickly that I wanted to keep the entire team intact, regardless of what our revenue number was going to be for the remainder of the year. And um, you know, it's it's one of these back of the envelope calculations. And um, my take is, I want to be with my group both in good times and bad because I want to show show them that I support them even when I don't know what's going to happen. And. It, one great thing is if, you're, if you get married to an accountant slash auditor, um, let's just say that they're relatively good with money. So in terms of balance sheet income statement, it becomes critical in times like this. Uh, LG is very strong on both. And I know deep down inside that the, this, this platform is going to be essentially used by all companies because essentially no businesses are traveling right now or they're traveling very little. The important thing that I can add to what you were saying is that transparency is always important in our business, especially in times of crisis when no one knows what's going on. So if there is any visibility for any of these companies, they should be proactive in ultimately letting both investors and the general public know.
0: Yeah, I think that's great advice, and I don't think anybody knows more uh, microcap CEOs than you probably do, uh, given all the events you've put on. Uh, listen, in, in one minute, because we got one minute for this segment, it's brisk business basics. You've seen a lot of companies. What do you think in the business plan? What do you think the key ingredients, two, three key ingredients that set the difference from those companies, those micro-companies that make it and those that don't?
1: Uh, focus and strength of your balance sheet because the take is as you know about 90% of micro caps don't make any money. so a lot of these names are a going concern. Once you get to break even once you get to slight profitability it all then becomes focus and and for me at least I think that management the management teams that I've seen that are very successful are the guys that really put a lot of work into it. they're diligent. Um, if you ask me they don't even uh, a lot of them don't even like attending conferences because it takes away from their business so you want to see a proven operator that has skin in the game that knows how to evolve when 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 especially when things are bad uh, and is ultimately devoted to shareholder equity you know for for me the most important financial metric of all is free cash flow because that ultimately uh, allows you utmost flexibility both in terms of operations but uh, numerically as well
0: i couldn't uh, agree with you more chris uh, this segment of the program is Brist's buy or bail and i'm excited to have chris lahiji on the program with me the founder of ld micro and uh, chris join me on the program hey chris how you doing bud Alright, we're ready. So we're going to start uh, accelerating this a little bit. So Brisk, Buy, or Bail is about the decision-making process, right? The, the whole premise of it is every day business people are presented opportunity, presented different things, and they have to ass- make an assessment and they have to either buy, go with it, or bail saying I'm not going to go with that program. Before we get into a few detailed questions I have, tell me what you do uh, in terms of going through a decision process. Is it a series of things or how do you do it?
1: Well, first of all, I listen to everybody, so regardless of where they are on the corporate totem pole, I want to give them my ear and hear exactly what they have to say. I think that's most important. So even at LD, there's a lot of functions that I don't uh, have access to on the day-to-day basis where I'm relying on my associate's input to ultimately make the best decision possible. The other thing that I think is very important is you don't want to be penny-wise and pound foolish and my take is that any big investments that we make internally are not for two or three week periods, they're for the long term. So I don't really look at things, Dave, on a, on, a, on, a, on a value basis in the sense of, oh, this is cheap or, oh, this is expensive. It's more, will it put us in better position in the future? Will we have more access to things? Uh, will it make the overall experience of everyone who participates in our business better? So that's my take. I don't let a number ultimately do do the talking. I look I look at it and say, well, we can really use this, and if the ROI is present, I go for it.
0: You know, one of the things I've always found interesting uh, in conversations we've had, uh, you know, over by the water cooler or over a cup of coffee, you know, even if it's in that uh, that uh, moment in a conference or wherever we are, it seems to me that you might have a view that's longer than maybe most people uh, when they think about things. Uh, Talk about that a little bit.
1: Dave I've been doing this since I was 13 years old so I I mean for me it's easy because this is this is what I'm known for and this is what I this is what I get respect for Um, so so for me it's it's all about experience I feel that we do a great event because people essentially go to it and they have a great time so I work literally 14 to 16 hours a day every single day to make sure that when people come to an event of, of you know, an LV event, they are taken care of, all the amenities are there. Um, and and it's, always, it's always the small things, as you know, that add up to become something much, much larger. And the reason I did this in the first place, uh, and I started back in '08, is because I would go to most of these conferences and they would just be boring. You know, there was no energy. There was no camaraderie. So, my take is you, you have to be a showman and you have, to, you have to make sure that everyone feels welcome, whether you are physically there or not. And I think that's going to be the holy grail for virtual, you know, in the sense that all these conferences are completely energyless. How do you bring that in? Um, but again, we have spent all sorts of money on things uh, that have not worked, you know, and you have to, as any smart businessman would tell you, you have to try a bunch of things. To, to know that a very few are gonna work and then you put investment into them.
0: So- you know, we talk about this being buy or bail. You know, it's interesting when it's buy or bail. There's sometimes that it's you've, you've made the right decision to go buy, and, you know, it being a buy decision, and you go down there, it was great. Sometimes you make a buy decision you wish you hadn't. Uh, but I find the ones interesting sometimes is the one that we bailed on and we look back on and then assess whether it was a good decision. Have you ever bailed on any decisions that you uh, maybe regret now looking back?
1: Uh, I... I make bad decisions every single day. Dave. I mean, we're we're on the stock market. There are things that, if I knew, I would I would be in a much better financial position than I am today. But there are two that really stand out to me, and one of them goes back to 2000, which was a uh, familial investment in Texas real estate. And, understandably, uh, I was born and raised in Fort Worth, Texas. So this is around that you know that DFW area. And we felt that we had a winning strategy when it came to real estate. Well, if I did it over a 20-year period, like some of uh, some of the other members of my household, or if uh, if I just kind of followed the plan, it would have turned out to be you know one of the greatest investments ever made. Because essentially, all these homes um, in the last 20 years have doubled or tripled in value, and you've been getting essentially rental income for that entire duration. One person in particular basically sold their company to a REIT for a huge premium of their time and their investment. So that was my first one, and that was, you know, when I was, I want to say, seventeen, eighteen years old. The second one was I was supposed to be the first employee at a tech company that at one time was valued over a hundred billion dollars. And um, I don't think there's a day go that day that goes by that I don't think about it. Uh, because I'm human like everybody else, and it's something that is extremely prominent. People use this service every single day, and I think it's a very useful service. So so yeah, I mean, I look back at that and I say, well, that, things would have been a lot different, but but I am, I, I'm blessed because I do what I'm passionate in every single day. So even though I didn't take the real estate opportunity or become employee number one at essentially a $100 billion tech company, I'm grateful that I'm I'm in the microcap world and it is my passion, it is my love and I'm I'm making a lot of people happy. The thing anytime I get upset over it, I always think about all the people that circle their calendars twice a year for both the invitational and main event. And I know I'm doing something right for, for not just us but for the world, uh, for the investment world at in large.
0: What do you got in store for us, Chris? I mean, I always looked forward to LD Micro conferences. You're right, they were fun, they were energy uh, there that wasn't at other conferences. There was a lot of great meetings that took place, but more importantly, those meetings that took place uh, later, right, you know, the meeting at the water cooler, the meeting that were outside of the formalized meeting structure was great fun at LD Micro. You know, here you are, you got a big pivot to make. I mean, you've obviously tipped us off uh, moving into digital Give us a sneak peek. What what's LD Micro doing in 2020?
1: Dave, this is this is by far away the biggest pivot I've ever had, both personally as well as professionally. So, so the thing is that you know on, on a familial basis too. I, as you know, and, and soon the audience will as well, is that a lot of my family are in the healthcare world. So it's obviously the most important thing is is trying to create something that in a time of great uncertainty and great pain brings a lot of compassion and empathy. And look, the hardest thing is I can't physically touch you. And I think that no one will be able to replicate that humanistic element. With that being said, I think that whatever we decide to do for our upcoming virtual event in September will be factoring in things that make people feel good. So if it's live music, if it's comedy, if it's, if it's bringing some of the people from our, from our staff back just to do really small things that people can enjoy, I think that's going to be what separates us from everybody else. But make no mistake, I mean, I am literally, you know, I don't have any flexibility in terms of location anymore, in terms of physical presence, all of that is gone. So for, for me, everything starts and ends with compassion. Even the people that we don't allow into our conference that are there, we always take care of their breakfast or lunch, and we always give them a booklet and take care of their valet because I don't want them to leave empty-handed. So and can I do this now? But I only but I only do that a handful of times. The events, as you know, are only about 1,500 people. Can I bring that level of, of empathy and compassion and, and comedy, too, to 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 people? I think the answer is yes because I'm not going to do anything unless I know I can be the best at it.
0: Well, I look forward to it. Do we have a date on the calendar yet for this uh, digital event?
1: It's the first week of September. Uh, it's, it's one through four. So it's, it's essentially the week before Labor Day. And the reason we chose that date is because we knew that this COVID thing was gonna take some time. And if anybody asks, we're definitely not out of the, we're not out of the woods. We have to stay vigilant to bring the numbers down.
0: Well, I think you're gonna end up reaching more people digitally than you could have uh, obviously with a uh, physical conference. So I look forward to being part of that event. I look forward to uh, the beginning of September and we're gonna be there to support you, Chris. So uh, this concludes this segment, believe it or not, of uh, of brisks buy or bail. And we're gonna be back to talk about public markets, which obviously you are an expert in, uh, with brisks, bulls, and bears.